the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Something disastrous is going to happen in everybody's life. And when it does, who do they go to? The party buddy or they go to the Jesus freak? Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching the Word of God with truth from the Bible. For more information, go to corechurchla.org. That's corechurchla.org. Now here's Pastor Steve with today's Core Truth. We're going to be in Philippians chapter 1, and I entitled this message, God is not finished. Well, there are many reasons why Paul was writing to the believers here in Philippi. First of all, this is just what Paul did. He stayed in contact with people through the writing of letters. Why? Well, because he loved them. These are real people in a real church that he founded. And he wanted to communicate with them. These people supported Paul's ministry along with Paul's encouragement. They also supported the saints in Jerusalem. This church was awesome. He wanted them to know that he was all right. It's kind of like this church. When you support this church, not only do you help pay for all the bills of this church that we can progress and move forward, but you also support other churches. Like we've helped Jesus City Church get along. We just helped them purchase their ability to go online so people can go online and watch their services. You know, so these are things that, you know, happen. And this is what this church of Philippi did. They, they supported the Apostle Paul, which helped him support other churches, which helped him support the believers back in Jerusalem. Again, let's not forget, Paul is writing this letter, though, for what reason? He's writing this letter to encourage them with what? Joy. This is a wonderful letter of joy that he's writing from where again? You know, taking it easy, body surfing, you know, down in uh, Tahiti? No, he's in a cold prison cell in Rome waiting to be seen by Caesar himself. This letter was in response to a special gift of love that was sent to Paul from the Philippians by the hand of a man named Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus, again, was a a brother of encouragement. You think like, oh my goodness, what other church? All the churches that he started in Ephesus and Colossae and Thessalonica, are they sending love gifts to Paul while he's sitting in prison? No, but the church at at Philippi was because they loved the apostle Paul. They wanted to support him. So they sent him an encouragement through this Epaphroditus who almost died on his way to Rome to bring him the love gift. That's recorded in Philippians chapter two. But Paul wanted these faithful saints in Philippi to know that both he and his faithful servant Silas were okay. And that, well, at this time where he's writing this, it wasn't Silas, it was Timothy actually. But anyway, moving on. 
And that's why Paul was in prison. Why was he in prison in the first place? Like, why is he even there? He was thrown into prison for preaching the gospel and causing riots. It started in Acts 21, if you want to read about it. It reminds me of what the bishop in England said. And I I love this quote. I've used it before, but it's worth mentioning it again. This is what this bishop said. He said, quote, everywhere the apostle Paul went, there was either a riot or a revival. He says, everywhere I go, they just serve tea. (laughs) It's like, (laughs) I wonder what happens where you go. I mean, it's like, you should leave a mark wherever you go. I mean, wherever I've gone, whatever job I have gone to, whatever job I have worked at, I have always left a mark. And by the way, if you're a Christian and you have a job, you should be the hardest working person at your job. You should be the one that makes the most money. Why? Because you're the hardest worker. Because you don't call in sick when you're not sick. You don't lie. You don't take longer lunch breaks. You work hard. And it's like, that's why you get promoted over everyone else. Not because I'm just nice. Look at me. I'm wonderful. No, it's because you work hard. And it's like, that's why everywhere I've left, every job I've left, I didn't ever burn a bridge. And they always said, you've had a radical impact on our company. I've been given huge bonuses after I've left. One company gave me a check for $10,000. He said, you've had such an impact on our company. And he continued to pay me for months after I left. I mean, who does that? But that's what happens when you leave a good rapport with every place that you're at. They're like, we don't want to lose you. We want to keep you here. It's like that's what the Apostle Paul had with people. People wanted to be where he was. People wanted to be around him. People wanted, you know, it's like they didn't want him to ever leave. Yes, Paul in this letter also wanted them to know just how thankful he was for them. He wanted them to know what was going on with them in Rome firsthand. Then, of course, Paul wanted to take the opportunity in this letter to encourage them in the Lord. He wanted them to live in unity. He wanted to warn them about false teachers. He would, you know, that would certainly come in and try to woo them away and steal the good seed that Paul had planted in their hearts with the truth of God's word. Yes, this letter was a letter of thanks. This was a letter of encouragement. It was a letter filled with joy in spite of whatever his circumstances were that he was living in. It was a letter given to God's people so that they might catch God's vision and taste the victory and to live triumphant life in Christ. And that's what God desires us to leave everywhere we go. So getting back to that quote, wherever the apostle Paul went, there was a riot or revival. Wherever I go, they just serve tea. Like what happens where you leave? What happens, you know, are people at your family gatherings? Gee, we're so glad they're gone. It's like, it's like when you have the family members over that you don't want. And when they leave, it's like, oh, blessed subtraction. You know, it shouldn't be that for us. It should be like, wow, you know, something about them, when they come into the room, it all changes. I used to love when I was working in construction, because listen, 
Construction. We have some construction workers in here, you know. Earl, he's a high-voltage guy. I mean, he, he works around some scrappers, I'm sure. It's like, you know, when I would work in all the different trades I've worked in, I mean, everyone's got a potty mouth and dirty jokes, and that's just what happens. It's just, it's the industry. But it was so cool because when people knew me, they would be right in the middle of a dirty joke, and I would walk into the crowd, they would stop. Uh, well, uh, never mind. They wouldn't finish. And it's not like I had virgin ears, but it was just because I had laid a foundation and people wouldn't talk dirty around me. And it's like they, there was a respect because they knew that the relationship I had with God was real. And so you think like, yeah, okay, whatever. Amen. But this is where it gets good. Because you think like, you know, I'm living this godly lifestyle in my workplace and everything, but where does it ever pay off? I'll tell you where it pays off. Because everyone has a sweet mother or relative that gets sick. Everyone has problems that come in. It's like they might not be, right now, they might be on cruise control right now, but something disastrous is going to happen in everybody's life. And when it does, who do they go to? The party buddy? The let's drink a case of beer after work buddy? Or they go to the Jesus freak? That's who they go to. Because they know that they have an in-line with God. And I can't tell you how many people of the roughest sort that I've worked with over the years in construction that would come to me, hey, uh, Steve, uh, maybe, uh, you know, you could throw up a little prayer to the big guy, you know. And it's like, you know, there's all different ways that they say it, but they say it because why? They know that you have a relationship with God. And it's like, that's when it pays off and it pays off big time, which brings up our point. We looked at knowing their needs, you know, be aware of what's happening in someone's life. If you know someone's sick or someone has a relative that's sick or they're upset about something and everything, maybe in your devotion time, you could write down a verse on a post-it pad or something, and maybe you could hand it to them and just say, Hey, I was thinking about you this morning in my time of prayer. And I, I thought about this verse. And it's like, you know, when someone at your work is hurting or so family member or something, maybe you could text them. Hey, I was thinking about you this morning and this verse and and copy the verse to them. Be a vessel of encouragement. It's always great to have the right thing to say at the right time. Paul always knew what to say. Why? Why did he know what to say? Because he was led and directed by the Holy Spirit of God. See, when you get to that point where you're, you're, you're talking with people more, you will start sensing when God wants to, you to share with someone. And it's like, how do you learn this? It takes time to learn it. You just got to throw yourself in there. If you never throw yourself in to talk to someone, you will never start learning this. But if you just by faith, you just throw yourself in there like, all right, well, I'm just going to throw myself in there and I'm just going to start talking. You'll start getting practice makes perfect. And you'll start getting better at this. And all of a sudden, you'll start realizing that God gives you these little words of insight, these little words of encouragement. And all of a sudden, someone's talking about something, and you you hear them talking over here. And then all of a sudden, you were just reading a verse in the Bible that just dealt with what they were talking about. And all of a sudden, you go to them and say, well, you know, it says in Proverbs 13, 12, you know, know, hope deferred, put off, makes the heart sick. But but desire fulfilled is a tree of life. And God wants to give you a tree of life in your life. I mean, you know, and you're just, you're there because you were just looking at that verse this morning and God will start using you and what a joy when you stop looking at you it's not so different than what the world says the what's the world say well I can't minister to anybody else until I minister to me 
I have to make sure that I'm fine. I have to be healthy completely myself. And then I can minister to someone else in need. Okay, well, if we're going to wait for that to happen, it's never going to happen because you're never going to be fully well, okay? We're all a little bit of a mess, aren't we? Okay, we all have our little problems and everything. So if, we, if you wait till you're fully well, then forget everyone else because you'll always be talking about the unholy trinity of me, myself, and I. Well, I, I got an ingrown toenail in my, I got a pinky here that hurts. And, you know, there's, there's always going to be something with us. Stop thinking about us and think about everyone else. And here's the amazing thing. You think like, that won't work. That's ridiculous. It's like, until you do it, until you start putting other people's needs in front of yours, then all of a sudden it's like, oh my goodness. It's like, wow, yeah, I'm not even thinking about myself anymore. Praise Jesus. Stop thinking about yourself. Let's read what he said here in Philippians chapter one, verse one. Verse one says, Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Christ Jesus, in all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, this is who he's writing to, including the overseers and deacons in the church. Verse two, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you always offering prayer with joy in my every prayer for you all and in view of your participation in the gospel from the first day until now. Wow, here's this guy in prison writing this letter. I mean, what a great word of exhortation, grace and peace and all all my thoughts towards you are, are great thoughts in my remembrance and all my prayers for you. Wow. Yes, the Philippians participated in the gospel with the Apostle Paul. They were a growing people of God. They prayed. They supported Paul financially. They were a church that reached out to others that were around them. There was fruit from within. Like Epaphroditus, the true brother of encouragement that came to encourage the Apostle Paul in prison. Again, no one else did. And now Paul, who has desired to lead by example and introduces himself and Timothy, who's inside the prison with him and his beloved son in the Lord, he he says, we're bondservants. Now you, most of you know this term, bondservants comes from the Greek word doulois. In fact, if you look at every word that's in the New Testament, almost every time you see the word servants are slave It comes from the same original Greek word, doulois. It's a word that we would not use much today in most churches, for it means to become a slave by your own free will and desire. Know this, in Paul's day, just like it is here today, nobody wanted to be somebody's slave. Who wants to be someone's slave? People want freedom. I want to do what I want. I don't want to be told where to go. I don't want to be under the bondage of any rule of anyone else. Yet, Paul found it a great honor to be considered a slave to the Lord. If he's your slave master, that's the best thing that could ever happen. So he made himself a permanent slave. That's what a bond slave is. I choose by my own desire, Lord, to do what you want me to do, not what I want to do. The one that loved him and respected him. And it's like, oh, you have set me free, Lord, from a life of sin and death. I give myself to you fully. 
the one who truly gave his life for me in the midst of the cross and dying for my sin, I submit myself completely and wholly to you. Remember what Jesus said? Because you, some people say, uh, I'm not a slave of anyone. Oh, yeah? If you're not a slave of Jesus, then you're a slave of your own sin. You're a slave of your own flesh. You're a slave of your own enticements that live inside of you. That's why Jesus said in John 10, 10, the thief, talking about Satan, the devil himself, the thief comes to steal, to kill and destroy you. But I came that you may have life and life abundantly. Some people wonder today, is there life during life? Like you Christians talk about eternal life in heaven one day with God. Okay, that's fine, whatever. But what about life during life? What about here on this side of heaven? Because life can be filled with so much despair. Life can be filled with so much sorrow, pain, letdown, pandemics. Omicron, oh my goodness, here we go. Okay, but not only did Jesus promise us eternal life when we die, that we can go to heaven, but we can have life during life. Yes, being a bondservant just means that Paul was willing to commit himself to the Lord's service all the days of his earthly life. And notice his choice of words in verse two that he used with these people at Philippi. They were his brothers and sisters in Christ. He said, grace and peace from God our Father. It was Peter in 1 Peter 1 says, grace and peace be multiplied unto you. Oh yes, grace and peace. Let's talk about it a little bit more. You know, the, the word grace means acceptance. It's favor. It's joy. It's really God's unmerited favor. Like we don't deserve any of this, but yet God just lushes it upon us. And peace means a quietness of rest within our soul. Consider being encouraged like that from a dear brother or sister in the Lord and meeting them when you're having a difficult time in your life. It shouldn't surprise us when the bottom drops out, when we find ourselves or those that we love going through difficult times. It shouldn't surprise us. We live in a world that's so separated from God. Yet let me ask you this, Christian, how do you greet those that are around you? How much do we reach out to those that are going through the fires of life? Understand, we really never really know what is happening in the hearts of lives of those that are around us. And sometimes God just wants to use you, you know, in speaking to a complete stranger. Like a month ago, I was leaving church here. I was parked across the street in the parking garage across the street. So I was walking, you know, I got across the street. I got to the other side of Del Taco there. And there was a, a man uh, standing by the light post there. And, you know, obviously there's always homeless people over there and, you know, whatever. And, but this guy was very well-dressed, you know, very, very clean. You could tell that he was a man of well-means and what have you. And he was by the light post and he was beside himself and he had tears coming down his cheeks. And, and I was just so moved with compassion with this guy. I just, I walked up to him and, you know, you're thinking like, what's well, a stranger? What are you going to say? Like, I had no idea what I was going to say. I just knew that, man, this man is hurting and I wanted to be there with him. And so I'm just, I just walked up and I said, oh, excuse me, you know, and he's just kind of like, you know, like, you know, like, 
I'm in a really bad shape right now, and I don't want to talk to you or anybody else, so get out of my face. So if you know what that look looks like, that's the look I was getting, okay? But I said to him, I said, uh, you know, sir, I said, I pastor the church across the street. I just, uh, I just, I just want to see if you're okay. He goes, you know, so there was a little bit of like, okay, so he's just like, my mom's in a hospital. It looks like she's going to die. I'm like, oh, I am so sorry. I, go, I, lo- I lost my mother a couple years ago. I said, I just went through that. I, I said, I'm so sorry, you know, and he was a Jewish man. So this is someone who's not embraced Jesus as the Messiah. And here I am, the Christian pastor. But who was standing in front of him right there? He was another man, had a relationship with God. I said, do you mind if I pray for you? He's like, what, what do you mean? Like right here, I said, yeah. Uh, okay. And I just I put my hand on his shoulder and I just prayed that God would comfort him and console him, that God would bring him peace in his heart. You know, only God can do that to a broken heart. But that's how God wants to use us. Sometimes it's with a family member. Sometimes it's with a stranger that you don't know. Sometimes it's a coworker. Sometimes it's your neighbor that you never talked to. But God wants to use us. What would happen in 2022 if we went forward with that kind of attitude in our life? People need encouragement. But sometimes we can be so caught up with us, ourselves, that we miss every opportunity that God places in front of us. It's like right there. He's just like, I'm looking for someone that will talk to someone. When's the last time you saw God reach down and peel the sky open and put his head down through to talk to some guy at a light post? He doesn't do it. God has chosen in his infinite wisdom to use us. We are his hands. We're his feet. He chooses to use us. You say, well, I wouldn't know what to say. Well, say something. Say something. Do something. Maybe there is someone here today you're facing difficulties and hardships in your life. Or maybe you're here and you know someone who's facing some very difficult circumstances. Look, our world is a mess right now. Consider this for a moment. If we were to take our own eyes off of our own circumstances, like the apostle Paul did writing this letter of joy from a cold prison cell, okay, in Acts 16, with Silas, you know, I wonder what would happen to those around us if we, again, like what happened in Acts 16 with Silas while they were sitting in prison, and instead of complaining like, we came out here to start a church in Philippi, we landed ourselves in prison, this bites it, I'm sick of this. No, they sang praises to God, they were preaching the gospel in the prison, they had their eyes off of themselves, and like, what could happen? Well, what happened to Paul and Silas while they were there in the Philippian jail? Oh, that's right. The jailer came to know Christ as his savior, but not just the jailer. He took him home and his entire family got saved. The book of Philippians is not just for how God can help those around us, but it's also an encouragement for every one of us to help us. 
I wonder how many of us can be encouraged by verse 6. Look what he says in verse 6. This is crazy. For I am confident, I know that I know of this very thing that he who began a good work in you, God who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. Wow, how many of us need to hear that today? That word that he uses there, that he began a good work, that word began is only used one other time in the Bible, and it refers to our salvation. It's used in Galatians 3.3 where it says, Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, being born again? Are you now being perfected by the flesh? No, no, God wants to do a new work completely. Know this, Christian. It was the living God that has begun a good work in you. Some of you have past histories. You have been a failure for years. Some of you, ever since you've been a young person, you have just failed, 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 failed again. You have let down every single person in your family multiple times. But God is saying, I began a new work in you, a brand new work. Simply put, we are not working for victory. We are working from victory because God has placed victory within every single one of us. Amen to that. Thanks for joining us for Core Truth Radio. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app. Core Truth is sponsored by and is a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you've been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA, all one word, to 77977. You can also give via our app and online at corechurchla.org. Or you can mail your support to P.O. Box 34789, Los Angeles, California, 90034. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.